there. Uh, last, last day, I want to take a moment uh, just to say thank you for the opportunity to serve here. I, uh, you know, I served as Pastor Steve's executive assistant. I was kind of poking fun at him a little bit for first service, so I feel like I have to now also. Uh, most of my duties, right, I, I wanted to help, I wanted to be there, but usually it was just like, you know, command P, that's how you print, right? Uh, file, say that, that's how you say something, uh, this is where you save it. Uh, so it was, it was pretty simple stuff, but I'm glad to just be available. Um, you know, I've been uh, blessed to be able to help our young adult, adults uh, work with our young adults. Um, we have a great group of young adults and uh, they can tell you that I pawned most everything off on them, so really it's them who did everything. Uh, anything that was under my watch or control, I kind of messed up a little bit. I remember, I, I'm a young adults pastor, right, so I don't think, about, everyone's 18 in my mind, so when they're not, it's just a real disaster. We went up to a retreat up on a mountain, and there were some minors with us that I forgot about, and I, they went with Victor, and he's not a great driver. And number one, sorry, Vic, sorry, Vic, but, uh, well, ask the people who rode with him after service, and they'll tell you, but uh, I forgot that permission slips and, like, liability was even a thing, so they just went with Vic, rode up the mountain, and disaster did not strike, so we're here now. I didn't get fired, uh, that's, that's how that worked out. So, uh, as you know, Pastor Steve has started a series called The Anatomy of God. It's been a great series so far. Uh, what we're doing is we're looking at different body parts that the Bible ascribes to God, not because he has a body, but because the Bible uses body parts so that we can better understand his character, better understand traits about him. We've heard about several different portions of his body or just what the Bible says about him, but this week I want to talk to you about the voice of God, the voice of God. I believe that God has a voice. I believe God wants to speak to each and every one of us, and I believe that there's no one he doesn't want to speak to or speak through in some sense. So before we jump straight into it, I want us to see if we can just get a better understanding of what a voice is, how to understand who a voice is coming from. So we have a game. We have a game. I've got some recordings, just some short, short snippets of some celebrities or people with distinctive voices. And what I want you to do is see if you can guess who it is. You're going to have to just shout it out. As you saw, uh, some stuff kind of gets rowdy here. So uh, just shout it out if you know who it is, and uh, we'll see if y'all can get it correct. So let's hit that first one. Who do we got? Launch countermeasures. One more. That's super short. I didn't promise you anything good, but let's hear it again. Launch countermeasures. John Connery. The Hunt for October. That's good. That's a good film. Uh, who do we have next? The next guy, he's a man after my own heart. Uh, we have a lot in common. What do you got? Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. I also hate snakes. Uh, my mother's actually been threatening me with snakes like all summer, saying I'm going to have to work in the yard where there are snakes, and we have it out. That's kind of how that goes. But uh, next we have, who do we have next? I'm le- I'm le- Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. Samuel L. Jackson, telling someone to exit a donut. That's very good. Uh, the next one's iconic. You'll be able to recognize this. I volunteer as tribute. Butler. No, uh, that's what JoJo said. No, that's Jennifer Lawrence, not Butler. Sorry, Joe. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She has an iconic voice. Maybe it's more what she said. Uh, who's our Who's our next one? Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Anyone? Patrick Stewart. Nerd. No, uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Nobody. 
Maybe I'm, uh, there's a couple dweebs in here who watched that with me, but he's the best Star Trek captain. He's sophisticated, got a strong voice, everything. Who do we have next? This one's difficult because I know the character, but I don't know who plays it ever, but who do we got? I will show you where I have made my home whilst preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. Then I will break you. Yes, Tom Hardy. Amanda got it. That was good. Uh, he's really just like Bane in my mind. I didn't know Tom Hardy was a person. But he is, so believe it or not. All right, who do we have next? Next is pretty... Hasta la vista, baby. Right? Uh, the governor, of, former governor of this great state, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who, who'd you say? Butler again? Oh, governor. Okay. I thought it was Butler. And then one last. This is Pastor Moses' uh, favorite. Kind of a shout out to him. Who do we got? Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Mandy Patinkin. Very good. Very good. You know, when we listen to these voices, there's usually some distinct traits about them to help us identify uh, who it is. Maybe it's the content of the voice. Uh, with Sir Patrick Stewart's voice, and you know, it's strong yet sophisticated. Uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right, it's only partially human and really whatever he is. So you can pick out who is saying what if you listen to the traits of the voice. And the same goes with God, but it's a little different in that he often speaks in several different forms. Uh, Psalm 29, we're going to read a little bit of the middle of Psalm 29. It describes the voice of God, and it uses a lot of really big language to describe the power of his voice. It starts out in uh, verse 3, Psalm 29, verse 3. It says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. Verse 4, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, whatever that means, and Syrian like young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Verse 9, this is my favorite. And the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. A lot of really strong language for the voice of the Lord. Uh, Job chapter 37 uses some similar language. It says, God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. There is a ton of this language throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, talking about the voice of the Lord, and it's describing it as being overwhelmingly powerful, just so strong that it's as if it was thunder, so strong that it makes a deer give birth. That's got to be pretty strong. I don't really know what that takes, but it's incredibly strong, and you know, it's, it's different from our experience many times. Because we don't hear an audible, you know, some people have heard the audible voice of God, but the overwhelming experience that people have is that they don't hear an audible voice of God that is so powerful that stuff's just shaking in their house. That, that doesn't happen to the majority of people. Instead, our experience is more similar to that described in 1 Kings when it describes the voice of God as nothing more than a still, small voice whispering into our hearts. We feel God's voice, but it seems to be smaller. And so I think the question comes up in our minds that if God can speak so loudly, if he can speak so clearly and powerfully, why does he speak with this small voice to our hearts? I think what we'll find as we look at this a little bit more, how God speaks, 
I think we'll find that God speaks softly, and the effect of that voice when we hear it is as strong as you could ever imagine. The effect and convicting power of that voice when you hear it, when you learn to seek it out, and when you learn to take what it has, is more powerful than you could ever imagine. And so we're going to look at four different ways that God speaks. Four different ways God speaks. We'll look at scripture. We'll look how he speaks through the spirit. We'll look how he speaks through silent, silence. Then we'll look how he speaks through his son. So one of, the, one of the ways that we know God speaks is that first he speaks through scripture. He speaks through scripture. When I say scripture, I'm referring to uh, the Bible. Uh, you know, we use our own uh, our own version of a holy text. Different religions have different ones. But we have our holy scriptures. And we're told that they are inspired and the words of the Lord. So one thing I want to submit to you to consider is that this form of voice that God gives us is, in fact, the most reliable. That scripture is the most reliable way we can hear God speak. More than any other. We'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. But Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It describes how God's involved in this process. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It uses this, this verbiage of that scripture is God-breathed, as that... It, God is so much in what we have in Scripture that it's as if it came from his mouth. That it's as if his breath is involved in it. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that when the biblical authors wrote the books down, they had some audible voice that they were transcribing. I don't think that's what that means. And it doesn't mean that the Spirit of God possessed them in some sense, and, you know, they blacked out and kind of wrote down the book, and then they woke up, and what happened? I, I, I don't think so. You can just read two of the Gospels, right? If you read Luke and then you read Mark, you can tell that two different people wrote those books because there's completely different styles, completely different emphases, and completely different points made. So people wrote those books. But God is so powerful and so strong that he worked through their personalities, through their skills, through what they were able to do to give us a text and a book that was so close to his word yet still reflected the style of the author. So we have differences between our books, but they are incredibly close to the voice and breath of God. In fact, they are. He just used people to make his voice known. So when I say something is the most reliable, it has to be in comparison to something else. So now I want us to look at other forms of God's voice and just consider that other instances of God's voice are individual and subjective. They're individual and subjective. I'll talk about that more in a moment. Whereas the Bible is communal and objective. It's communal and objective. What do I mean? So when God communicates something to someone's heart, let's say you feel God speaking into your heart, speaking to your life. Maybe it's that you feel like he's leading you in a direction or he wants you to share something with someone else. It's subjective and individual in that you are the only one that's able to interpret that. You're the only one. Yes, you can seek godly counsel about what God's speaking to you, but that counsel happens like this. You have to interpret and tell someone, this is what I think God's telling me, what do you think? It still relies on your individual interpretation. The Bible's different. The Bible's different in that it is objective and communal. 
It's objective in that each passage of the text has one meaning, only one meaning. It's not, it's not how it applies to everyone. It has one meaning that we can seek and we can find. Now, the content of that text isn't up to our interpretation necessarily. Instead, we have a literal book, a text that we can all look at so that we have something objective to study, analyze, and consider. And because it's in a book, we can do that in a community. We can all do it. It's communal. So if I come up with some wacky interpretation of a scripture, the communal nature of that text makes it so that you can correct me. It makes it so that when someone says, uh, this is what the Bible's saying, it says, I'm Jesus, I can correct you and say, no, you're not, right? It makes it so that no, this can't be abused because there's accountability within a community to find those meanings. Those meanings are found in the author's intent. Now, don't get me confused. I'm not saying that there aren't multiple applications of those meanings. Everyone's going to have a different application of what those meanings are. The Bible will have a different significance to each and every one of you. But let's not confuse that with the one meaning found in Scripture. Only one. And it's the author's intention. That's where we find meaning in Scripture. And it is objective. Completely objective. So, because of this authority that God gives to the Bible, because of its objective nature and its communal nature, the Bible becomes the litmus test for new manifestations of God's voice. What do I mean by litmus test? I just mean that when God speaks a second time, it has to line up with the first time he spoke. He revealed himself in scripture, and so scripture becomes the standard and the test for anything else God wants to say. So if I come to you and tell you something, and it, it's negated by scripture, then you can rule it out. You can immediately rule it out as something God said. You can say, no, Bible says this, Creighton, you've got it wrong. That, that's it, right? There's no more discussion. If the Bible excludes it, it's not about, I don't care what experience you had, you had a wrong experience because it's excluded by the Bible. The Bible is the first and most reliable revelation that we have, whereas other manifestations are tested by that standard. And so with this in mind, with this in mind, uh, we, have, we have to assume for today's purposes that the Bible is inspired word of God, but I want to talk about what that means. I want to talk about what that means. If it's the case that this is the inspired word of God and we have it, we have God's plan revealed for humanity in a form that's reliable and objective. This isn't, this isn't something that you have to listen to someone's interpretation about. Yes, there are scholars. Yes, there's some disagreement. But there is one meaning, and we're seeking after it. And we probably will until Jesus returns. But it exists, and we'll continue to seek. The Bible gives us what God's plan is. It reveals to us who he is. It reveals to us how he feels about us. And we have all of that in an objective and reliable form. Let's not underestimate how great this is. So we can learn about who God is, what he thinks of us, from what scripture says. You know, I want to share uh, an encouragement I had recently. On Friday, we had that big old party. There was Lucille's barbecue. It was great. Uh, I, got, I got a card from Jackie Wan. I don't know if she's still here. Is she still here? Yes, she's still here. Uh, the most encouraging thing uh, in the card, and it was most encouraging because it was, I remembered something from a sermon you gave, right? Uh, and you always like to hear that. Uh, she says that she's looking at scripture differently now because the first question she asks is, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about Jesus? 
She's not looking for herself. She's looking to learn more about who God is, who Jesus is, what he's doing, because that's what God has revealed in Scripture. And when we learn more of who he is, what he thinks, then we grow closer to him in a very personal sense. So Scripture is the most reliable, but to hear God through the Bible, so for God to speak, you have to read it. Simple, right? You have to read the Bible to hear what God has to say. And I want to tell you what breaks my heart. What breaks my heart is that despite what we have, despite knowing that we have God's plan revealed in an objective, reliable form, despite being a people who have the Bible translated into our language in accessible forms, being in a place where we can legally read the book, many of us find it mundane. We find it mundane, we feel like it doesn't have anything to do with my life, we feel like it's disconnected. I would do better if I read a different book, right? A self-help book, that might, that might show me a bit more. This is a tragedy. This is perhaps the biggest tragedy that the church sees in the, in the Western world on, on a day-to-day basis. The people just aren't interested. I don't, I don't care. That has nothing to do with me. Now, I'm not sure why this happens, but I want us to just consider that if I could promise you that if you read your Bible, if you read your Bible, use the skills that you learned in school to read, right, how to read correctly, if you read your Bible and use those skills, God would speak to you personally every single day. God would speak to you every single day. And it's not just the small stuff, right, like the Cubs are God's favorite baseball team, Right? Well, so you might be wondering why are we so bad? Uh, Israel failed for a long time to reach for future glory, which is always next year for Cubs fans. But God speaks the big stuff, right? The big stuff is revealed in Scripture. Things like, He loves you so much that He would die for you. John 3 16. He's so strong that He rules over every nation and every country. No international crisis is out of His control. It only happens because He allows it. Psalm 22. All things, even our enemies, are subject to Jesus' rule. So as ISIS tears across the Middle East, they bow at the feet of Jesus. Hebrews 2. He will give you the power to do the thing you thought you couldn't do otherwise. To get through the day and carry out your faith. Philippians 4. If we open the book and read it, God will pour out his voice speaking directly into our lives and into our hearts. God speaks through scripture. The second is, he speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his spirit. You know, God speaks spiritually many ways, but I'm going to discuss one way in particular, and that's prophecy. That's uh, what's discussed many times in the New Testament. You know, we have prophecy in the Old Testament, and if they got it wrong, they got killed. Uh, New Testament prophecy is a little bit different in that we don't kill you if you're wrong. It's different in that it can be a little bit subjective. The Spirit of God will maybe communicate something to your heart in some different ways that we'll look at, but then it's up to you to interpret what that is and communicate it to someone else. It's, it's just this process. And you, you won't be 100% sure every time. I'm just telling you that. Maybe it's 70-30. And I don't think uncertainty is a bad thing here. I think you can humbly and honestly tell people that this is about how much I feel God's communicating this to me. I put percentages on things because that's who I am. Uh, you don't have to do that. But I feel if we're humble and honest, then, then we can take that step out with the possibility of us being wrong. It's possible. It's possible that I am wrong. And if we take that step, I feel like many of us will be willing to be used more in this way. 
But let's see what Paul has to say about this gift specifically. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, he he's discusses prophecy and its value. He says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So when I say God speaks through his spirit or through the spirit, what I mean is that God uses people to speak for him. God uses people to speak for him. It's always for the same purpose. It's for the purpose of building up the church, encouraging and consoling. Those three things. That's what the tone of God's voice sounds like. So if you believe God's giving you a message and it's condemning, if it's shaming, if it's guilting, God doesn't speak to his children that way. He speaks through people to encourage, to build up, and to console. He doesn't speak in ways that condemn to his children. Yes, he might convict of sin, but that's in building up. That's not, that's not condemnation. That's a different thing. So if what you're hearing is different than what the Bible tells us the tone of God's voice is, then reconsider, right? Make sure it lines up with what the Bible says. So I want to talk a bit, I'm going to talk a bit about how this works, how this works in us, maybe we want to be used, and then I want to give two personal examples of how it's affected me. Uh, I have the microphone so I can do that. <laughs> the first way, we'll perceive something from God that maybe he wants us to communicate. This will come in some different ways. The first is that he will put a thought into your mind. He'll put a thought into your mind. It won't necessarily be connected to what you're thinking or praying about. It, uh, maybe you're doing something mundane like vacuuming and something comes to you and it's like, oh, wow, that could have been God. Uh, maybe it has a sense of authority attached to it in your heart that you feel, and that's because it is the voice of the Lord. So the first question you should ask yourself, you know, anyone ever like got something in your mind? You're like, is that me? Is that God? Is that my dead grandma? Right? No one knows. Uh, but uh, it might be God. So you should ask yourself some questions. Uh, does it line up with what the Bible says? Does it build up, encourage, or console the church? Is it for the purpose of building up the church? And if the answer is yes to both of those, and I think the risk of sharing that thing is so incredibly low that you should just do it, even if you have uncertainty, because you're encouraging, building up, or consoling either way. Even if God didn't tell you that, you can voice your uncertainty and say, this is what I, this is what I think, this is what I feel. The risk is so low, the risk is so low, m many times, perhaps there's some riskier situations, but the risk is so low that I think many of us will be willing to step out, and as we get experience, we'll grow in our ability to discern even more. So God will put a thought in your mind. The second way is that he will give an impression. He will give an impression. Not he will do an impression, but he will give an impression of something. Uh, now, an impression, that, what I mean by an impression, it's a pre-linguistic way of knowing, but that phrase like, means nothing. Pre-linguistic just means before language. So think about this. A baby, before they have the ability to speak in a language, they don't, they don't think in that language, right? But they certainly think. They think, I'm hungry. They think, I like that toy or whatever, whatever babies think, right? All of that is pre-linguistic. So it's a sense of something. It's a sense or a feeling. And many times, God will speak to us through that. We have an example of this in Jesus' own life. In Mark 2, 8, it says, Jesus perceiving in his spirit, perceiving in his spirit. He caught on to something. He felt something in his spirit. And I think God speaks to us in much the same way. 
maybe this is an uneasy feeling or a feeling of, the, of joy that the Lord places in you, but these feelings are still meant to be communicated. Maybe someone's flying overseas and you get an uneasy feeling about it. You should then communicate that to the person. I, I have an uneasy feeling. God's giving me this impression. Just tell exactly what's happening. You, you don't need to dress it up. You don't need to make it a big production. Just tell exactly what's happening. 100% honest. If we have a full disclosure policy with our prophecy, I think we would be willing to do it more and it might be more effective. So God gives an impression. He gives an impression. The third way is that he will give dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. Uh, in Acts 2.17 uh, we have Peter giving his sermon at Pentecost where many were saved and he recounts the prophecy of Joel in the Old Testament saying that in the last days which are the days after the life of Christ uh, God will send dreams and visions to his people. Anyone ever had a weird dream? Yes? I've had some weird dreams. Uh, one time I had a dream that I was at the Wands house because Stacy cuts my hair and there were snakes everywhere. It was horrifying. And they were like, oh, we have a snake problem. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? But that was a dream, right? I have a very low, I don't think that was from God, right? <laughs> that probably wasn't from God. But the point is, when you have a dream or a vision, it doesn't necessarily mean it's from God. Maybe you just ate some weird food the night before, and so you had a bad dream. However, you should still consider the content of that dream. The same questions we asked before. Does it line up with scripture? Does it build up, encourage, or console? If the answer is yes, then maybe you should pursue some godly counsel about what your dream was. What do you think, right? Pursue someone who you know knows the scriptures, who you know knows God and listens to God, and then you can just ask the questions. So these are three ways that God might try to use you to speak to someone else. But I want to give two personal examples in my own walk. Uh, prophecy is something that's affected me personally. But uh, it started in October of last year. I started to feel led to apply to school. I, I didn't really know why necessarily. I knew school was something I wanted in the future, but I didn't know why right now. Um, so I did it. And it, you have to have applications in by December, so I got them in. I didn't tell anybody uh, because then it's like, why do you hate us? Why are you leaving? Uh, and that, that's not what it was. Then on February 1st, uh, Miss Mickey, Mickey Stevens, is she here? The lovely Mickey Stevens. No, she gone. Uh, Miss Mickey, she, uh, she pulled me aside, you know, I go talk to Miss Mickey, she's the kindest woman in town, and uh, I'll say hi, and she prays for me, she prays for likely most of you, and she had a word for me that day that I was going to be leaving this year, right, very specific, and she had no idea that I had applied to graduate school, uh, so I'm thinking like, what I do to you, why do you make me gone so bad, but instead it was further confirmation for what God had spoken to me before, the next week on February 8th, Pastor Steve felt like God was telling someone that sometimes you have to leave where you are to go where God wants you. You have to leave your physical place. Two weeks later, uh, I got accepted uh, into school in St. Louis. So each of these examples of someone feeling God, myself, Miss Mickey, and Pastor Steve, all of them could have been wrong. Each and every one. However, God spoke the same message to confirm himself through different people and through different venues in some sense. He spoke to me, he spoke to Miss Mickey, and he spoke to Pastor Steve, all confirming and giving me a higher level of certainty that he was leading me in that direction. Second example. As time came closer for me to leave, a fear started to rise up in me that my ministry opportunities here were kind of it. And I don't talk about my feelings much, so I didn't tell anybody this. But 
for whatever reason, it was maybe my failures here, my own inabilities, that this was all I was going to have. That, that was the fear that was rising up in my own heart. So many of you in this church have been used to address this specific fear. You have no idea, right? I don't talk to you about this. But you have been used to address this specific fear because God builds up his church through this gift of the Spirit. People have shared with me this, just the simple message that they believe God is going to use me in the future. That, that's, that's like super vague. If you, from your perspective, that's super vague. But you were addressing something so incredibly specific that you had no idea about. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in building up his church. So, I want to say thank you. Uh, Casey Bailey, she was here the first service. Uh, Debbie Waterfield, you've spoken into my life in this way. Uh, Dan and Dodie Bedingfield, you've spoken into my life. Uh, Debbie Sandoval, Mickey Stevens also, and many others. You have allowed yourselves to be a vessel of God, to be God's voice so that you can be used to encourage and build up the church. That's what his spirit does. That's the purpose. It's not for you. It's for the building up of his church. So let me encourage you today. I just want to encourage you on, on this point. God has a voice. God has a voice. And oftentimes it sounds a lot like yours. God has a voice and oftentimes it sounds a lot like yours. Many people, they feel like God only wants to speak through a specific class of people, maybe the most spiritual, the most educated, uh, people who are well-spoken. But this, this is not true. Instead, he wants to speak to and through each and every one of his children. He wants all of us to be used in the work of the ministry in building up this church and the greater church universally. He wants us to be used in the giftings of his spirit. That's why he says for us to deeply desire them. And I want to tell you, Right now, just, just to put this to rest, there are no unimportant people in the kingdom of God. There are no unimportant people in the kingdom of God. Each and every one of you can be used in a way that will be larger than you will even understand in that moment. But you are an essential part of God's kingdom. You're not looked over. You are not looked over. You have a place in the ministry that's being done in his kingdom. So God speaks through his scriptures, or these scriptures, he speaks through his spirit, but he also speaks through silence. This is a, a bit of an odd thing to say because silence and speaking are kind of opposites, but who else knows that silence can also speak? I remember I would walk into a room with my mother, and uh, if she was silent, I just knew to stay out of arm's reach because she was upset about something. I didn't know what. <laughs> but God, uh, many times puts us in situations where he is seemingly silent, where it seems like he's not speaking, like he's not guiding, like he's not moving in our lives. King David wrote about a similar feeling in Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. I think this is an experience many of us have, if we're honest, right? Uh, the liars in the room might not have this experience. I kid, right? But we have this experience where we don't feel God, where we don't hear him, and it can seem like God doesn't have a voice in those times, like he's abandoned us, or like he is just all around absent. I want to give you two thoughts to keep us going during these times where we don't hear the voice of God. The first is, 
to trust the promise more than the perception. Trust the promise more than the perception. If, if I placed you out here on Walker Street, looking whatever direction, and I asked you what shape is the earth, and you don't have any prior knowledge, uh, your answer would be the earth is flat. And I would be like, you're a fool for these reasons. No, I wouldn't say that. I would support you. But the earth is flat because from that position, that's the perspective that you have. That's the perspective we have from really anywhere in the earth. And the only reason we know that the earth isn't flat is because of authoritative scientific revelation and because of corroborating testimonies, right? Nope, I went to outer space. The earth is certainly round, right? It's blue also. But we know that there's some other form of knowledge that goes against our own perceptions. And in the same sense, our perceptions often tell us that God is absent or silent, but our hope is in the greater promise as revealed in Scripture and supported by testimony that God is always with his people. That God stands beside his church, that God builds up his church, and that God doesn't abandon his children. Instead of a God who's absent, we have one who is in every sense with us. So trust the promise that we have more than the perception. The second thing I can give you is this thought that silence often breeds desire. Silence breeds desire. Maybe God's put us in a time of silence to condition us. I read a list that illustrates this point quite well. So I'll ask some questions you can consider for yourself. The first is, why is it that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but familiarity breeds contempt? Why is water so much more refreshing when we're really thirsty? Why am I almost never satisfied with what I have, but always longing for more? Why is the pursuit of earthly achievement often more enjoyable than the achievement itself? Why do deprivation, adversity, scarcity, and suffering often produce the best character qualities, while prosperity, ease, and abundance often produce the worst? Let's, let's consider that silence from God, a perceived silence, is intended to do something. It's meant to create a desire in us for something far greater than we have now. It's meant to condition us to seek after God, to condition us to desire him because there's something better in the future. Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He's, he's talking about the, the spiritual gifts, but he talks about what is better in the future. And he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as, even as I have been fully known. In times of perceived silences, the voice of God is speaking that there is something far better to come. Far better than what we have now. That there is something far more beautiful and clear than what we experience in this world. That God is going to fulfill his promise and give us the future glory as revealed in scripture. That God is going to lift us up and redeem and restore this world. He doesn't want us comfortable where we are. He wants us to be in a position where we seek after him. Where we're desiring him, looking for him so that our hearts are conditioned to chase after him. So that our hearts are so thirsty, so that we want so much more that he's the only thing that would satisfy us. He doesn't want us comfortable here. Instead, he wants us looking to what's better. So God speaks through his scripture. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through silence. But finally, he speaks 
through his son. He speaks through his son. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is perhaps the clearest message that we have from God. The clearest example of God's voice is in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. It speaks who he is to us. I'll have Pastor Moses go ahead and come at this time. But the author of Hebrews tells us that in the last days, which are now, that God is going to be speaking through his son. He won't speak in the exact same ways that he used to. Instead, the life, death, and resurrection are going to be the main voice that God gives us. So I want us to consider that this example of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection speaks clearly of God's great love for us. And that each time a child comes to the cross crying out that they aren't good enough on their own and that they need something more, it speaks God's voice of acceptance. That each time a child of God accepts Jesus into their life, we hear a voice of forgiveness. Each time we see a life transformed through the grace and power of Jesus Christ in the gospel, we see and hear a clear voice of redemption. Each time a saint who served the king goes to be with him, we hear a voice of hope for the coming resurrection and restoration of all things. God speaks in many ways into our lives, but the life of Jesus speaks to us most clearly who he is. You know, the New Testament tells us that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. That all of who God is rests in the life of Jesus. So if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. All of who God is is found in the person of Jesus. So Jesus' life is a clear example of God's voice revealing again his great love, his redeeming power, and his forgiveness into the heart of this world. Now, I'd like you to go ahead and bow your heads if you would. But perhaps there's someone in here who maybe doesn't know God. Or maybe you know God enough to know that things aren't right between the two of you. If you're feeling a tugging in your heart, maybe a stirring, maybe you're just feeling something different. You don't know how to describe it. And it's in, in the deepest parts of your soul. You feel uncomfortable maybe. I, I want you to consider that God is speaking to you right now. Consider that that's the spirit of God pulling you closer to him. It's the Spirit of God speaking softly to you, come home. Now, if, if that's you, if that's you in this place, I, I want you to just lift a hand. Just lift a hand. Amen. Amen. You know, oftentimes when we, when we make a decision spiritually, taking a physical action right after will confirm to ourselves what we've done. It will confirm to us the decision that we have made. So for those of you who lifted your hands, I, I want you to, to stand and I want you to come forward. There's going to be someone here at this altar just to meet and pray with you. So if that's you, if you lifted a hand, I'd like you to just come forward and meet me here. And one of our pastors will be here to pray with you. Just to pray that you would hear the voice of God in your own heart and in your own life. Amen. Amen. So for the rest of us, for the rest of us, if you're in a place where you have a desire to hear from the Lord more, 
Maybe you hear from God every day. Maybe you feel like you haven't heard from him in a good while. But if you're in a place where you want to hear from God more, you just, you just want more of him. I want more of his voice in my life. I want to know him more. I want to encourage you to just stand to your feet. And we're going to pray two things, two simple things. We're going to pray them together. I want you to pray them in your own words. But let's lift up a prayer to God that he would first speak to us individually. So God, speak to me. And then second, that you would help me to listen. God, God, speak to me and help me to listen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord. God, as a people hungry for you, God, wanting more of you and your spirit. Lord, we pray today that you would speak directly to us, God, in new ways. Lord, in ways that we might not have recognized in the past. Now, God, we not only pray that you would act, but God, that you would help us to listen. Help us to receive that which you are doing. Help us to see your work in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts today. God, that you'd create a desire in us so that we look around every corner for you. God, so we seek after you. Lord God, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Amen. Amen. God has a voice, and he wants to speak to you. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. I love that he's speaking to you, Pastor Creighton. You know, you'll probably not have the pastor title for a little while. I don't know. You know, who knows what God has, but it has fit you well here. Who cares about titles, you know? Um, but there is something significant. You have, you have really done that. You have pastored a group of people, and you've done it so well. And you're hearing God's voice. How appropriate that you would, you would be preaching today on your last day and it would fit this series, God's voice. May we all hear his voice. And may we be obedient to the voice of God. Amen. I know you want to uh, bless Pastor Creighton as Karen and I do. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. Why don't you find your seat? The ushers are coming. We're going to take up a love offering. It's just a way to say, as a church, God bless you, Pastor Creighton. Thanks for, thanks for a year and a half of awesome ministry here. He just became part of our family, really, right? And so, you know, family is family. So whether he's in Wichita or St. Louis or who knows where else God might lead him in the future. And we ha when he has the doctor title in front, you know, because I see that in his future someday. I can see Professor Coleman, you know. Really, I mean, really. I, I have no doubt in my mind there are great, great things ahead for this young man. We get to say he's part of the La Palma Christian Center family. Right, I mean, just wherever. Hey, I want you to sow a seed. Some of you brought cards and, and, and so on on Friday. That's great. So here we are as a church, we're going to sow seed into Creighton Coleman and the future that God has for him. I want you to give a generous offering, those of you who can. So Father, we thank you today. Thank you, God, first of all, for speaking. Thank you. You're living and you have a voice and you speak to us, God. Wow. 
We just pray we would have ears to hear it and we would be obedient. We want to sow into the future of Creighton. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you've sent him here to us. And now we bless him and the path that you have for him, God. We ask that you would just surround him with your spirit, surround him with your presence, God, and use him powerfully. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your generosity. So I guess we need to be praying. Pastor Creighton leaves out this week, and he heads home, which is Wichita. His mom and dad are there. He's heading to Wichita for the summer, and then he will start school in the fall. So I think the number one prayer request uh, should be the next church that he will, where he will land. He has a home church in Wichita, so that's covered. But I'm talking about a church home in St. Louis. He's already been looking and praying about some different options. But if you're, when you continue to pray for Pastor Creighton, I think that is the number one, really the number one thing that we should be praying is where you land in a church. Because I see somebody scooping you up and using you there in a really powerful way, too. And you will just continue in the ministry that God has for you. I don't think there'll be much of a pause in ministry. I really don't. You better catch your breath well. You better, you better do all the resting you're going to do over the summer because God is going to just continue to propel you forward, not just in your schooling, but in ministry. And as you stay willing, he'll, he'll use you very powerfully. So I love what God is doing. God is shifting things here at La Palma Christian Center. If you have not noticed that um, news flash, there's a whole lot of shifting going on. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I love that Pastor Moses and Jamie are going to be planted in Anaheim, the Bridge Community Church. I love that there are 13 already from this church. There's a group of 13 that are going under the leadership of Pastor Moses and Jamie. Who's going to replace them? I don't know. I don't know yet. But I know this. I know God does know. And so I can rest in that. You know, as God moves someone, he'll bring someone else in. You know? Um, Pastor Moses, you know, or Pastor Creighton, he's leaving. And, and we've got this great group of young adults. What are we going to do? You know, there's, that's, that's, there's the human part of me says, God, what are we going to do? And, and um, he says, well, what am I going to do, right? God says, I've already got this worked out. I've already been speaking and moving and working. Pastor Moses and Jamie, I want you to come up here. Pastor Creighton, I want you to come up here. Pastor Creighton, he's moving on. They're going to be moving on several months. You know, we, they're, not, they're not today. <laughs> this is Pastor Creighton's last day, but it, we get the Alamans for a little bit longer, thank God. And again, they're family, so they'll never be far from us. They'll always be connected to us. But I just look, I, I want you to see something here, church. I want you to see how God is, is shifting. Pastor Creighton is leaving, and the young adults are here, and we've prayed and we actually approached someone to see if they would lead, and that's Courtney Lovatier. <laughs> Courtney is going to be leading. Courtney, I want you to come.
Courtney is going to be kind of our point person with the team. There's, there's an amazing group of young adults that all have leadership ability. And so all young adults, listen to me, you're all going to another level. I sense God taking all of you to another level. And um, so I love that God just took care of this. Tassie Hare approached me. She said, Pastor Steve, I think I'm supposed to go with the Alamans. I was like, what? But I knew immediately that it was right. I knew she was right. So Tassie and Steve Hare are also going to be leaving in a few months, going with the Alamans to Anaheim. Now, Tassie is my children's director. She runs the ship over there and does it so well that I don't have to worry about it until I think she's leaving, and then I do a lot of worrying about it, you know. But you know what God did? God has already raised somebody up to lead our children's ministry there. It's Rebecca Wicks. She's on vacation right now, but I'm telling you, God already has it under control. He already has it covered. Already has it covered. And there are so many other areas you cannot believe all of the shifting that's going on. Our nursery is shifting. Our Royal Rangers are shifting. God is shifting things. So I took the time. I said, God, I want to make sure what's going on. So I went throughout my whole staff and started talking. I came to Pastor Dave and Sonny. And after some time of prayer and some time of talking, they are also going to be shifting Pastor Dave is going to be my associate pastor, and he will no longer be leading our youth. I want the Lutes to come. Come here, guys. Pastor Dave and Sonny, are, are, they are a godsend. I've said over and over again, if I could clone this man, I would. Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of look like me. But what a heart. I mean, he, he just is willing, he's willing and eager to serve. He wants to serve God. He wants to serve me. He wants to serve this church. He's done an outstanding job with our youth. I want to make that very clear. This isn't, yeah. Speaking of an amazing foundation, you know, you, you've come and you've built upon other foundations that have been good, but you've made it even better. And we want to thank you for what you have done in the youth. But I asked Pastor Dave, you know, what's God doing? He said, I feel God stirring me. And in a few years, uh, we don't know when we're going to keep assessing this year by year. They want to be lead pastors as well. And so I said, well, why don't you come closer to me? Let me mentor you. You be my associate. You know, Pastor Creighton was executive administrator for me, and then he led young adults as well. So Pastor Dave is going to come in and do some of that, be an executive administrator for me, and then oversee lots of other ministries, and I'm going to help him to learn how to lead a staff and, and just all kinds of things that I never got that I wish I had of, right? And so we're so thankful for that, but it leaves our youth department in need of leadership and wouldn't you know, God already had that under control as well. We've hired Elliot to come and be our new youth director. And so, I want to ask the board, if you don't mind, the board and your spouses, all of my board that is still here, would you come and bring your spouses up? 
Pastor Jim and Cindy. Here's another. Pastor Jim's not going anywhere. I won't let him. But I, he's like my right hand. He's the executive pastor. He oversees facilities and grounds, and he really is invaluable to me. But God has shifted Cindy. Cindy has just come in, and she is the executive administrator for Jalene. Jalene, get up here. And Karen, I'm just telling you, I want you to see this is your leadership. This is who God has put in place. We're leading this church under the direction of God, with God's help. And we recognize that we are absolutely helpless in our own ability. But with God, come on team, just say with God, right? With God we can do way more than we even thought. Stepping out, launching out. Sue, where are you? Sue, I, you can't imagine how on time that word was. She just almost shrugged her shoulders like, I, whatever, you know, I just, but it, it went in me. I'd already heard God say this. We're going to launch out. Pastor Creighton is launching out into something new. The Alamans in, in months ahead are launching out into something new. Courtney, you're launching into something you've never done. Pastor Dave, launching into a new area. Elliot, young, inexperienced, but a heart after God and a willingness. Elliot, by the way, he is pursuing his credentials through the school of ministry. He is on the fast path to get ordained, to get licensed, to get credentialed. And he has been under inten an intense training this past year with one of the one of the best youth pastors uh, really in Orange County, Gary Garcia, has taken Elliot right next to him and mentored him in this internship over this whole last year. And it has, it has transformed Elliot. I mean, he is, a, he is a changed young man. So as I'm taking Pastor Dave close to me and mentoring him, Pastor Dave is going to do the same for Elliot. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And I, I see God's hand in this in a powerful, powerful way. Amen. We need your prayer. I'm asking you today, if you would pray, please. For those who don't know me, I'm Stacy Trotter. I serve on the board, and I just want to put some, I just feel this on my heart. Some of you have some uh, fear and trepidation about all of these changes, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and this, I did. Pastor came to the board all of us board, we, we prayed hard about all of these changes. And I want you to know that when pastor comes to the board, the board just doesn't rubber stamp everything he, he, he suggests. We pray about it. We seek the face of God. And all, this board is united in all of these changes. And so we're asking you to come alongside and be united too. Now, I have a son that's older than him, and I have a son that's young, just, well, the same age as him. I can't imagine either of my sons being a youth pastor. So I understand where some of you are coming from with that decision. And I was questioning at first. But when I put down my guard and I actually sought God's face, this is the right decision. It really is. And I know, and I won't take the mic too much longer, but I'm just saying that God is in this. And so, so change is like a freight train. You either get on board or you get run over. So get on board, everybody. Get on board, and, and God is going to just take this train to a whole nother level, and that's what we're looking for. It's amazing. 
Ah, awesome. So everybody just step a little bit closer here, if you don't mind. Just come right on up. Jerry Shork, here's a brother that I love who knows how to pray. I'm going to ask you to lead a prayer. And I want everybody to stand and just stretch your hand forth toward your leadership. This is your leadership. This is your church. This is God's church, and we want God's will to be done. Do you know that God has something powerful for us? I mean, do you sense that? Do you see that? And I want us to walk in that. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the leadership you have given us. And we ask you now, God, to give them a new anointing. Give them the courage to lead, God. Give them the spirit, a new anointing, God, a new understanding of your voice, God, in their new capacities. And those that remain in their own, God, that you will continue to anoint and make us one, Lord. Make this body one unto your glory of your name and to the multiplying of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, and just say amen today. Woo! God is on the move. Pastor Creighton, I'm going to ask you to slip back. As soon as you get rid of your microphone, I'm going to ask you to slip into the foyer. I know everybody's going to want to hug on your neck and love on you. Amen. Amen. What a great day. How many of you are glad you come to the house of God today? Amen. Good things are ahead for us, church. Amen. Good. Let me dismiss you now in the name of the Lord. Remember, we have a life groups tonight, and we are going to dig deeper into the word that Pastor Creighton taught on the voice of God. So be sure to plug into a life group. Hug somebody before you leave, and we will look for you next week. God bless. <laughs>